Welcome back to the Straight Up Sports Talk podcast, another edition of Monday Mayhem, the week of Christmas. It's finally here, Sam. We've got a lot to get to today. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter. That's where you can find our latest episodes and uh, whatnot on our Twitter page. Keep up with us. Keep up with us there. Straight up sports talk on Twitter, Sam. A lot of college football to get to. Uh, we had the championship games this weekend, as well as the college football playoff rankings coming out, which was really the biggest story of the weekend. Um, and, and just a lot of NFL conversation to get to as well. But we sit here on a, on a good little victory Monday, Sam. The Ball State Cardinals, MAC champions. The Indianapolis Colts win again. Is this an overall great weekend to be a, a sports fan in, in Indiana, for sure? Unless you're a Notre Dame fan, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we're the only Indiana team with the conference champion at this point, so it feels good, you know? I, I can't lie. It feels pretty good. I didn't think we'd be at this point where we're calling ourselves conference champion, but, hey, it's 2020. It's the hey. year of the just weird and unknown, and here we are sitting at, uh, being a conference champion. Yeah, and staring down the eyes of San Jose State. The Arizona Bowl on December 31st, 230 uh, in Tucson, Arizona. San Jose State, obviously the Mac Mountain West uh, champions. So it'll be a good game there. I know uh, the, the Ball State Cardinals are not finished. They've had a great season so far. Let's just hope they can cap it off with their first ever bowl win in school history. I mean, it would be a nice way to cap off this uh, terrible year. But, yeah, hopefully we can. San Jose State is a really good opponent, I, a, a lot better than I think a lot of people uh, give them credit for um, just because people don't watch the Mountain West in at 22. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough opponent. Hopefully we can get it done. Let's start with the conference championship games. Any games that really surprised you that went a different way than you thought this weekend in, in the in the conference champion uh, at realm of college football on Friday and Saturday? Um, I definitely think the Pac-12 went a lot different than I expected. I I, I had uh, USC winning that game. Surprisingly, Oregon just came out of nowhere to shock him. Shock him. Uh, Keaton Slovis didn't have the best game of his career. U, USC, a lot of people thought were better than their uh, their ranking was, but didn't come up to didn't didn't show up, didn't play up to where they where they um, should have been and and Oregon got done. Yeah, I think Oregon they're better than their record was their three and two record coming in. They were better than that. And and at the end of the day it was Oregon. Now USC is obviously a storied program as well. But uh, yeah, I was a little shocked by that. I thought uh, USC would win um, in that matchup just because, you know, Oregon wasn't originally supposed to play in it, then they got thrown in and whatnot. But yeah, that that was surprising. For me, I would probably have to look at uh, either Alabama, Florida, or Clemson, Notre Dame. Um, Clemson, Notre Dame, I thought Notre Dame would keep it close, at least in the first half. I mean, it, it was, but Clemson just really took off in that game, and um, it really was the Trevor Lawrence factor, I think, in that game. Um, you know, against Notre Dame, they, Clemson came in, you know, walking on one leg because Trevor Lawrence was out, and and he had been out for, for a, a little while. But um, that, that game kind of surprised me. I thought Notre Dame could keep it close. But then again, it is Notre Dame in a big game. Um, and we know how well that's gone over the past few seasons. But didn't hurt them. They got into the college football playoff. 
Um, and then Alabama, Florida, I thought Alabama might go in there and win by more than seven. Now I did take Florida plus 17 and a half. So I wasn't hoping for too big of a blowout, but I, I was kind of surprised by Florida pleasantly surprised that they were able to keep it that close. Um, and, uh, and keep it close against Alabama to hopefully give themselves a college football uh, playoff berth. Because if they would have won that game against Alabama, I think it would have shocked uh, and changed some more uh, playoff scenarios. But, yeah, I think overall, though, it was a good weekend uh, for conference champions. I think it was. I think I, – I do think that it exposed how bad the college football playoff system again because two losses in two weeks for Florida and they only dropped one spot to number six, which is just ridiculous. Cincinnati sitting at a 9-0 and and still can't get above them. It's just uh, Oklahoma, two-loss team moves uh, from 10 to 6. It, 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 was just, it was just a bad weekend, I think, for the group of five from the sense that we realized that there, there's no shot, I think, that, the, that any group of five with how the system is gets into the college football playoff. No, they don't. But at least give them the respect that they deserve. I mean, they are a team that went 9-0. and I didn't think Cincinnati had a good shot at getting into the college football playoff just based on what we've seen in the past and even in the BCS era. I didn't think Cincinnati was going to get in. But I thought they would put them at, at five or even six maybe. I mean, to throw Oklahoma in there, no one was expecting that. And, and to throw Oklahoma in there at six, I thought was absolutely insane. I mean, they had two losses this season. Uh, what was it? K-State K and uh, Texas. I Iowa State, that's right. So I was, I was very disappointed in that. You don't have to put a group of five team in, but at least show them the respect that they deserve because they are a team that did go 9-0. and um, and, and you know what? In 2020, I thought it, it would have been enough to, to show them uh, and to give them a little bit of respect, but they didn't do it. Um, w- were you surprised to see the four in there uh, you know, for the college football playoff, did you think it would be something different than the four that they put in? I personally thought Texas A&M would have been in there. I don't like the, like, kind of SEC tantrum that Texas A&M showcased that they should have been in because they play, play in the SEC, and that, that's not right in my mind. But I thought they would have put Texas A&M over Notre Dame just because of the just just utter, just uh, just bad performance they had against Clemson. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that would have been the case. I thought they would have at least had Cincinnati at five or six. That wasn't the case. And yeah, I, I, I was, I was shocked. I, I knew Notre Dame had a pretty good chance at being number four, despite losing to Clemson by that much. But I, I thought they would have put uh, Texas A&M personally, but yeah, okay. I, I was, I was wondering what they would do with Texas A&M because you do have, and I, in recency bias factors in as much as people would like to say that it doesn't and that each win, uh, no matter where it comes in the season matters. Um, that's not true. Recency bias does happen. Um, and I thought that the recency bias might give Texas A&M that push to get in. Would you rather have Notre Dame or Texas A&M in the college football playoff? Personally, I, I don't know where I would go. I mean, I do kind of like to watch and to, to, and to enjoy Notre Dame to succeed, but I don't know if I would rather have Texas A&M in there over Notre Dame. 
Against Alabama, I would rather see Notre Dame. We saw what happened earlier when Texas A&M matched up with Alabama, and I think this would happen again. I think Notre Dame's the better matchup. Now, do I think Notre Dame deserves it? Not necessarily. But I do think for matchup reasoning, I think Alabama gets it done either way. But I do think Notre Dame poses a tougher matchup than Texas A&M. Yeah, they definitely do. Um, uh, you know, it, it, that Notre Dame game against Clemson, while it was a blowout, um, Notre Dame's not – I don't think they're going to do the same against, against Alabama. See, the, you know, Notre Dame, they, they've been known to, to blow these – you know, big important games, you know, we saw what they did, what was it, against Alabama last year in a bowl game or Michigan against Alabama, but, you know, you get my point. Notre Dame in these big games, they normally don't play a conference title game. You know, normally the last game is against USC, and and now they've seen, you know, that matchup against Clemson, and, and that's going to help them prepare for Alabama. So while I, I didn't necessarily think that Notre Dame might be in, um, I am kind of glad that they are in because, like you said, I do think it is the better matchup, um, and I'm glad. And I didn't think they would put Notre Dame against Clemson again, and, and thankfully they didn't. But, um, yeah, I think overall the four, uh, I was most surprised by Notre Dame. There was a lot of controversy about Ohio State, but I, I said from the outset that Ohio State would be getting in no matter if they played three games or eight games this season. Yeah, I th- I think I think you're right. I think Ohio State would have gone in uh regardless. Uh they got it done in the Big 10 Championship just barely against Northwestern, but they got it done nonetheless. I think yeah, you're right. I think they would have gotten in either way. Yeah, so uh I was uh reading online before before we hopped on to record the podcast this morning, Sam, and uh Dabo Sweeney has been very outspoken about his disliking for Ohio State uh, in the fact that they only played six games this season. You know, they, they shouldn't even be in the college football playoff, yada, yada, yada. And he actually, in his coach's poll ballot this week, he actually ranked Ohio State at number 11 this week. Um, a lot of other coaches had him at three and four. He put him at number 11 this week. So I know there's already going to be some tensions brewing when Ohio State meets Clemson for the college football playoff. I, I it, you if you're Clemson, that just makes you have to work that much harder to get it done because if you lose to that team that you put as eleven, it doesn't look good. I don't I don't like the tactic by Dabo. It's it's just gonna make Ohio State even more motivated to play. We already know how good Ohio State is. That just how good Justin Fields is. So if you end up losing, it's gonna look that much worse if you're Clemson than it would have if you were just lost with you just shutting up, essentially. Let's talk about Indiana, Sam. Um, some disrespect being dealt out this week for the Indiana Hoosiers. So we thought IU was going to be a lock for the Fiesta Bowl or some sort of New Year's Six Bowl. They're not anymore. They're going to be playing on January 2nd again like they did a year ago. Um, they came out as number seven in the AP poll, which is about right, I would say. Uh, maybe a little high, honestly. Um, they'll play in the Outback Bowl on January 2nd against Ole Miss. Indiana will be the highest ever AP well, – this will be the highest ever AP ranking, well, it is for IU in program history, but also for a team to play in the Outback Bowl. So a team that is uh, you know, ranked at number seven, there has not been a higher ranking for this bowl. Your thoughts on what they did with Indiana 
and the bowl placement for the Hoosiers. I mean, they just disregarded them. Like, let's be honest. Like, they didn't do any any right by Indiana. Instead, they had, like, Georgia in there with two losses playing the New Year's Six. They had Ohio State with the three. And it, it comes down to bull ties in and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you've got to make it right. Indiana did, did everything they could to get into a New Year's Six Bowl, and yet they just – the committee disrespected them. Put them in a, a, a against a SEC team that was four and five. Now I do think Ole Miss is somewhat decent, but they're four and five. Lane Kiffin's a good coach, but I th- I think that the the bull matchup's just a little bit lopsided. It is, and when you look at some of the other bowls that that Indiana. Uh, could have possibly got into the Peach Bowl. It will feature Cincinnati and Georgia. The Citrus Bowl, which I thought was a possibility, uh, Auburn and Northwestern. So, yeah, it, it was it was a little bit surprising. Um, and then the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon and Iowa State, like you mentioned, uh, the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M and North Carolina. But, I mean, when you look at IU, they have not been good for the last several years. Um, they haven't won a bowl game since the 90s. And last year, you know, in the Gator Bowl against Tennessee, they couldn't get it done. So I'm just, you know, my thought was, well, just I just need to go out and destroy Ole Miss. You know, can they do it? It's an SEC opponent. They just got to go out and destroy Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to prove themselves on how good they were this season. And, yes, they, they beat, what, three ranked top 25 teams, um, and one, two of which were in the – one of which were in the top 10 pits. I think Wisconsin was like 13 or something when, when we uh, beat them. But yeah, I think, you know, just the way that IU has been trending this season, I mean, they've been in the top, in and out the top 10 a few times. Um, you thought that they would go a little bit higher than that. They don't, they go to the Outback Bowl. But at this point, Sam, I'm saying just take care of business, blow the doors off of Old Miss, and then ask questions on why you weren't respected. Yeah, it's kind of like the Notre Dame from last year. I think they played Iowa State in the Pinstripe Bowl or something. They they took care of business easily, and they proved to why everybody why they were better than um, they they got selected to the bowl. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, they have to get it done. Jack Jack Tuttle has to get go there and get it done. Essentially, you can't you can't just beat Ole Miss by by three or seven. You have to blow the doors off them to prove why you deserve the New Year Six Bowl. And and hopefully, IU can do that. Some good news for IU in 2021. If the Big Ten does not revise any schedules for next season, IU will take on Cincinnati. Uh, in the non-conference preseason of 2021. So that'll be exciting for the Hoosiers, you know, and exciting for Cincinnati. If they want some respect, if they want to be up there in, in conversation, uh, it'll be a good Power 5 opponent for them to get it done against. Yeah, I, I think so. If you're also Cincinnati, you as you mentioned, you have to schedule these group, as many Power Five teams as you can for the committee. I don't think they'll still respect you, but to respect you a little bit more, I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction by scheduling Indiana, and hopefully, hopefully you can get some some bigger opponents to schedule like the Coastal Carolinas, the the BYUs to make your make your resume stronger. For sure, for sure. I think I think they will look into that in the future, and that's how a Group of Five team. It's going to get respect like like you kind of hinted to there. Let's switch gears, Sam, talk a little bit about the NFL. 
The hometown team, the Colts, they escaped just another scare by the Texans. And, you know, there's a million ways to lose a game, uh, but the Texans have stuck to really one against the Colts this season, uh, and that's fumbling the football at the one-yard line uh, when they have a touchdown to tie the game. Um, were you disappointed in the Colts' performance this weekend um, against the Texans who, you know, they suck this year, to, to, to be frank, they suck. I was disappointed in the Colts' performance, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on on how you thought the Colts did on Sunday. I mean, I'm not disappointed because I thought that this was going to happen. That's why I made one of my locks of the week as plus seven and a half that the Texans would cover, which they did. Uh, it's been the past like 13 meetings between these two that it's decided by uh, less than double digits. So I knew that this was probably going to happen, come down to the final possession like it did in the previous meeting. Uh, I didn't expect the fumble necessarily again, but I, I I wasn't disappointed because I thought that this was a Texans team. Deshaun Watson just finds ways to keep games close. He's just – he's the Russell Wilson of the AFC. He gets things done even when his leading receiver is David Johnson or Chad Hansen or Kiki QT, like – it's just who Deshaun Watson is. He keeps things close. I wouldn't. I, I. I would say I'm disappointed more of the fact that this is a ten and four team. I think you honestly expect better things if you're if you're looking out uh, uh, from the the record side of things. Yeah, I was kind of expecting and hoping the Colts would would come in and, and beat them by a few scores, uh, just because of obviously what happened last time. You almost lost a game to them on, on the last play of the game, and really, you know, essentially you almost did again. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was disappointed in, in that aspect. But, you know, I was more, when I was watching that game, I was more disappointed um, in, in just the way the game, you know, turned out to be. The game started really well for the Colts. They were getting to Deshaun Watson. They were forcing the Texans to punt. And they were up 14 to nothing and was looking good. And then everything kind of went dead for a while. I mean, it really did. Uh, you had to settle for a few field goals. Um, and, and, and things of that nature, you couldn't – Deshaun Watson was doing a little bit more. But as I was, I was watching that game, Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback. I mean, he – I think – and I've known this, but he is a really good quarterback if the Texans could just, one, protect him, and, B, give him somebody to throw to, they would be a dangerous team. If they would have kept DeAndre Hopkins this team, I don't think they're four and, what, ten at this point. I think mm -hmm. they're like – six and seven at this point that's how big of a factor DeAndre Hopkins is and having someone that Deshaun Watson can rely on he did it yeah. like you said he did get it done with a handful of, of players but um yeah Deshaun Watson is just a very very good quarterback and it's a shame the Texans can't um can't find people to put around them yeah I, I think so. I think you mentioned everything perfectly. Like they had everything just going their way. They were in the playoffs last year with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They they got Laramie Tunsil to protect him. Now if they just could build or just build out the rest of that offensive line, maybe give him one weapon. Dave Johnson is, I think, was a solid trade acquisition. I don't think he should have been traded for DeAndre Hopkins, which is just blasphemous. I think he's he's the solution because they need a running game. I don't think Carlos Hyde was the long-term answer. I think they needed a running back behind them. And if they would have kept D-Hop and find a way to get Dave Johnson otherwise, you may be seeing this team in the playoffs potentially competing for that divisional title.
Yeah, we could. Um, and, and, you know, it's just the matter of a couple of pieces here and there. Sam, the Colts now at 10-4, and four, looking really good. But what needs to improve before the playoffs? Obviously, there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, but what, it was, what was something that stood out to you, maybe not this Sunday, but, you know, in previous Sundays that, that the Colts need to improve upon before uh, the, the, the playoff dance? I think it's just consistency across four quarters. We see the Colts have great halves, for great first halves, like against the Texans and then bad second halves or vice versa. And it's just like it doesn't seem like we have full four-quarter consistency of just great football, which we've seen from great teams like the Chiefs, the Packers, the Saints, whoever you name, the Bills. And we need that, essentially, if we're going to actually do anything in the playoffs. I still have them losing in the wild card round because I think this is what this team with Phillip Rivers is destined to do. But if, if they actually want a wild card win, you've got to have four-quarter consistency because as it stands right now, they're, what, the sixth seed going up against the – or they are the – They would be the sixth seed, I believe. Going up against the Bills, which I think as things stands, we would probably lose that game just because of how just elite the Bills have shown themselves to be. Yeah. Um, I think this, this upcoming game on Sunday against the Steelers is going to show you a lot about what this Colts team is. Now, the Steelers have struggled as of late. They played tonight on Monday Night Football. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of see where the Steelers will be heading into that game. But that's going to be a big measuring stick because the Steelers are a team that won 11 games, and, and they are good. Um, if you can go in and beat the Steelers, that's going to be a big statement win. Um, and, and the opportunity to get to 12 wins on the year is just absolutely huge for the Colts. So, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. I, I, I wish you there on the consistency through four quarters. We can come out and, and be dead in the first half and then score – 30 in the second half and win or we can score 20 in the first half and you know three in the in the second half so a consistency consistency on the defensive end I think um, you know on Sunday they played really well defensively but again you just let the Texans hang around and uh, that's something that you can't do against really good teams because they'll take advantage of that but yeah overall a good performance by the Colts on Sunday a win is a win is a win in the NFL and you'll take it any day you can get it um, some other games from around the league. The Jets, Sam, the Jets finally won a game 1-13 on the year, and they really squandled away their opportunity for the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the players aren't playing to go winless because as a player, you don't ever want to be a part of an 0-16. It's the, it's the franchise that wants you to tank, that puts you in a position to tank. And so good for the players of the Jets. They finally get their win. I'm glad Frank Gore didn't have to go out if he's going to retire after this season on a winless record because I don't think that's what he deserves all the years he's put in, all the hard work. Good for the good for the Jets. It doesn't mean great things for the, the franchise if you're really buying into that Trevor Lawrence uh, and him being your guy of the future. It doesn't help you as the Jacks, Jacksonville Jaguars looks uh, primed to get that number one spot. So it doesn't it doesn't help you long term. But I, I'm glad that the players got a uh, got a win. Yeah, like you said, that the tanking is is organizational, not with the players or even the coaches. Um, unless you're Greg Williams calling the defense. But um, is there more hope, and I, and, I, and I asked myself this question this morning, is there more hope for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville than there is in New York with the Jets? Like, 
is there more hope for him to succeed sooner with the Jags than, than the Jets? I th- I think so. I think the the ja- Jacksonville Jaguars, if they can build on the defensive side of the ball, have something that can work for Trevor Lawrence. They've got James Robinson. They've got DJ Chark. They've got these solid weapons. Now, if they can build the offensive line and the defensive side of the ball, Jacksonville will be in a good spot. We've seen Garner Minshew early on in the season be able to have success with that team. I think they have a bunch of young pieces that if they can – if they can add on to they they can not I'm not saying they'll be a contender but at least put together more wins than one or two wins a season yeah I I agree with you there I think there is more hope for him in Jacksonville just because of the fact that I think the the organization has a little bit better you know um, personnel when it comes to you know acquiring free agents and drafting Um, you know the Jets their last winning season was 2015 at 10 and 6 that was head coach um Doug Bowles' first season. Todd Bowles. And Todd Bowles, you know, whatever whatever his name is at this point. Um, they didn't even make the playoffs that year. They've had – they've and they've only had 11 winning seasons since 1991, uh, which was kind of an amazing stat that um, stood out to me. Now, the Jaguars, they haven't done much better um, in terms of winning seasons, but they want they played for a conference title in 2017. Um, so that, that was, uh, you know, that, that's kind of a factor that you have to, to, to take into as well. If the Jags can, can patch up the defense and get a few more weapons on offense, I think that they'll be, they'll be pretty good here in the next couple of seasons. Um, if they do end up going with Trevor Lawrence with that number one pick. I, I think so too. Like when you look at it, I like, I love the, the play of James Robinson. He was an undrafted free agent. I think he has, if not over a thousand yards on the season, he has a thousand seventy, which is third in the league. So you, if you could put a solid quarterback next to him with uh, DJ Charkin, uh, Ke- Keelan Cole uh, around him, um, it, it's definitely going to be a, um, a solid team moving forward. Hey, how about them Falcons on Sunday? How about them? I mean, are you really surprised at this point? They've blown several leads. Like, I, I don't know tw- what else to say. They're up 24 to 7. And, uh, yeah, the Bucks came all the way. It's just Tom Brady against Matt Ryan. I don't, like, does Matt Ryan just hate Tom Brady? Or does he, like, just respect him and be like, dude, I've got a terrible team? Like, what is, like – I, I would like to be inside of Matt Ryan's brain during that game, wondering what he's – because he has to be just insanely upset. I mean, you're up 24-7 to 7 and you lose 31-27. to 27. It was just, was just insane to me. But, uh, yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks came back and got it done. It was a must-win for the Bucs. I mean, if they drop that game, you were talking about them potentially not even making the playoffs. I mean, they. I don't think they even had a shot before the. Let's be honest. Like even they would have maxed one out at seven wins. Like I don't think even with them winning, they had a shot at the playoffs. They had an outside shot looking in. Like the Falcons are just in a bad, bad spot moving forward. They just need to just re. It seems like they just need to rebuild at this point. Whether that means shipping Matt Ryan off, potentially sh- shipping uh, Julio Jones off, whatever the case is. But in Atlanta, they just need to figure something out. You don't. You don't. I want to go back to what you just said. You don't think the that the Bucks will make the playoffs? No, no Falcons. Oh, Falcons. Th- yeah. Oh no, no, no. I was talking about the Bucks. It was a must-win for the Bucks. 
Oh, I thought you said the Falcons. Yeah, no, yeah, no, the Bucks. Been... Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, they 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 could have made. The, they they could still make the playoffs. Yeah, because if you lose that game, you drop to to eight and six, and and you really have to scramble at the end of the season. Sam, let's talk about our locks for the weekend. Uh, you had the Eagles plus six and a half against the Cardinals. That did not hit. The Texans plus seven and a half against the Colts. That hit. You went one and one. I know you're a little frustrated with uh, Doug Peterson and Jalen Hurts this morning. Uh, yeah, they, they could have got done. They were down by seven uh, on the, the Cardinals 30-yard line with 10 seconds left. Could have gotten a little bit closer before attempting one final shot. And that way, if you get it to like the 20 or the 15, you can do actual normal routes and not heave it twice uh, for a lucky Hail Mary at the end of it. But they chose to do what they, they did. They they uh, lost me uh, my one of my locks of the week. But I'm still sitting at 17, 13, feeling pretty good about my record. Yeah, uh, you have to be um, after a pretty good weekend, one-on-one. Uh, one. I, I had the Saints plus three against the Chiefs. Turned out to be a push. We're counting it as a win on straight-up sports talk. Um, and then I had the Washington football team plus six and a half against the Seahawks. That was a win. That was a backdoor cover for Washington. They came all the way back in that game after being down 20-3. to We're all tied up again at 17-13. to 13. Uh, 17 wins, 13 losses for the both of us in our locks of the week. We've only got a few more weeks, Sam. We're not recording on Friday because of the Christmas holiday, obviously. So we'll go ahead and do our locks right now. Sam, uh, who, who are you locking down this week for, for your picks? Uh, I'm going to do Dolphins minus two and a half at the Raiders. I think this week proved that even when the Dolphins have a bad week, that they can still get it done. And I think that's what they proved against New England. They had a terrible start, was down six to zero going into halftime and just bounced back, had a, a nice solid uh, second half, won 22 to 10. I think they can get it done against a Raiders team who just can't, who just can't even get it done against a, a Chargers team who was, I believe, like four and nine or three, three and nine in the cases. I think Dolphins should be able to win that game by at least a field goal. I have Dolphins minus two and a half at the Raiders. Yeah, I, I agree with that pick. And, and the Dolphins were out without Mike Gusecki, their tight end, and I think Devontae Parker, one of their receivers. So they were, they were down a few men in that game. Um, and, and still pulled it out. And, and Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback again, they were able to overcome those odds as well. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to ride with the Cardinals this week, minus three um, against the 49ers. I, I just think that the 49ers proved this weekend against the, the Cowboys, which was an insane finish to that game. They proved that they're a terrible football team. I, I just – there was a lot of hype around them the last three or four weeks. Um, in terms of the betting world, but I just think the Cardinals, they're, they're just, when it comes to, down to it at the end of the day, I think they're at least a touchdown better than the 49ers. That's why I'm taking the Cardinals minus three and a half in my first lock of the week. I think I'm there with you. I think the Cardinals are, are a better team than the 49ers. We've seen how good Kyler Murray was this past week, finally getting back into his groove. And yeah, 49ers just haven't had the best of season, have had like 30 people on IR. I think I think you're right. They should be able to at least cover that. All right, Sam, uh, for my second lock, I'll go ahead and go first again. I'm going to take the Washington football team minus one and a half. Uh, they are playing the um, Panthers. They're, they're hosting the Panthers this weekend. I like the football team, and, and I like them to cover the one and a half, the Panthers. Uh, they, they had a 
kind of a disappointing loss this weekend. Um, so I'm going to go with the football team. I just want to have it's a must win if they want to stay alive for the playoffs in the NFC East. I'm going to go with the Washington football team this week uh, to cover the two points. I, I like that pick for not only you mentioned the divisional race, but I think Washington football team it has been has proven to be a solid team, not only being able to get wins against the Steelers and the 49ers, but being able to keep the the game close late with the Seahawks. I think they'll be able to get it done against the Panthers. I think that's a pretty good pick. I'm I'm high on the Washington football team. Hopefully they can get Antonio Gibson back this week because I'm really high on him and his talent level. But yeah. I, I think that's a solid pick there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think so too. Uh, and betting on teams that have to win, I think is a good value as well. Sam, your second pick for the locks of the week. Uh, I'm right on a time who's been uh, kind of uh, been on a uh, trend upward of late. I'm going with the Bears. I think uh, they're, they're minus seven at Jaguars. If the Jaguars want um, – if they truly want Trevor Lawrence, they're going to have to lose. I think that's the case here. I think Mitch Trubisky somehow has just found a way to have somewhat of a productive offense. I think they can at least cover the seven. It's a bit high. I know I don't like to go as high as seven a lot, but minus seven, I think the Bears can, with their improved offense, with David Montgomery's newfound uh, rushing attack, that they can at least cover the seven against this, uh, as you mentioned, with the 49ers, just this poor team. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that pick. The Bears are on an upward trend um, as of late. I think they can finish the season kind of strong here. Um, so, yeah, I do like that pick. I like the Bears – um, on an upward trend offensively. I think they figured out a few things as well as on the defensive side, which is always a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Sam, you got anything else before we head out uh, here on this Monday? Uh, not really. I'm excited to uh, watch Ball State, ba- Ball State football next week. Uh, West Virginia plays Kansas in basketball, so I'm super excited for that tomorrow, 9 p.m. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just excited for all the, the sports we have this upcoming week. Yeah, it will be a good week of sports. We've got Christmas Day football this week. Should be good. I'm looking forward to all of the, the sports that will happen between now and, and next Monday when we record again. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Sam, thanks for joining me as always, and we'll uh, talk to you next Monday. Won't record on Friday due to Christmas, but we'll be back uh, a week from today. Sounds good. All right, that's been Sam Thillman. I'm Grant Covey. Don't forget Straight Up Sports Talk on Twitter where you can find all of our latest episodes and things of that nature. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.